Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pat Tracy. My wife, Lisa, and I got here last night and uh, enjoyed the wonderful hospitality of the Andersons and uh, met Pastor Cindy last night and had a, had a terrific Middle Eastern dinner. So, you know, even when we're home, we, we do international stuff. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that that slide was up there, give them Jesus. I mean, that's, that's for all of us. That's for every one of us to have some part in. And uh, you know, we met people out here this morning just, just in, in, you know, in this church body that uh, have been involved in supporting the ship ministry for, for years and years and years. And uh, um, as, as Bill was talking about praying for your missionaries who are out there, it is prayer. That is the fuel that makes the ministry go. Um, and so, you know, everybody can contribute in that way. Every last one of us, even those kids who thought they escaped, okay? Um, they, can, they can be part of that as well. Um, you know, Bill talked about thinking out of the box. You know, we don't even know where the box is anymore. We lost it a long time ago. And, uh, you know, the ship ministry's been around for some 40 years, as, as they said. But, uh, you know, in this past half century... Not just OM, but worldwide, we've seen probably the greatest ingathering of people into God's kingdom ever. And uh, some of us get the opportunity to sit right in the front row and watch God do what He's going to do. And uh, you know, in the in the in the in the ships, it's it happens it happens every, every day. Um, I was just out in uh, the Far East, and we were uh, welcoming 66 new people to our crew. And uh, um, so we're sort of teaching them, you used to live on land, it didn't move very much. Now you live on a ship, it moves a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, life is going to be different now, and, and uh, so we're helping to teach them. But the, the devotional I was doing with my class every day was, came from Psalm 107. Starting in verse 23. Those that go down to the sea in ships, they're the merchants on the mighty waters. They see the works of the Lord and his wonderful deeds in the deep. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. Oh, excuse me, I skipped 25. He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. And uh, they mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths, and in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the, in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. That's what I get to do this morning. We have been in weather like that. You know, Lisa remembers a, a trip uh, a few years ago on a smaller ship than Lagos Hope uh, called Lagos 2. And we were down to about five miles an hour and the ship was still just pounding, pounding, pounding through the waves. And we were so happy to get to Lisbon. And get in and get inside the breakwater and get out of that mess. But, you know, God is faithful. And he carries us into these places. 
we go places with our ships. You know, we intentionally get big ships with not very much draft. We don't need a lot of water to get in there because we want to go places where other people can't get. You know, even if you look at that, uh, if you look at that map of Africa on the wall, um, how much of that's land and how much of that's blue? There's an awful lot of blue there. And, uh, you know, when, when the Lord gave us the initial vision for the ships, it was different. We, we thought we were buying a truck. You know, at the time, OM was focused on moving people and materials to India. And they'd take, you know, I mean, it would kill a new truck to do that, but OM didn't have to worry about new trucks. We never had one. Wouldn't know what to do with it if we had one. So we get these old decrepit things that nobody wants anymore, and then we put people in them, and it takes them three, three and a half months to get from the UK over to England on these things. And they thought, well, we could do it a lot quicker. We could carry a lot more stuff. We could carry a lot more people. And uh, even before they got to India the first time, as happens from time to time in Christian ministry, they ran out of money. They got as far as Alexandria, Egypt. We're waiting to go through the Suez Canal. And uh, they'd been sitting out there with no funds. And even the ship's agent wouldn't answer the radio calls anymore. I mean, that's how bad it got. And, uh, and one of the leaders on the ship went out, and he's just kind of leaning on the lifelines. And he's looking out at the lights of the city. And he says, you know, I've got a whole ship full of people here who want nothing more than to share the gospel with people who hadn't heard it. And there's a whole town right there. And they carried on with their, you know, the Lord brought the money in, they carried on, they went to India. And, uh, but the whole ministry had changed. You know? um, so often, you know, we see that, we see the truth in Proverbs 16, 9, where man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. Um, would you show the first uh, picture, please, the one with the map on it? Okay, this was our plan for the summer of 2011. I was supposed to join the ship in Colombo, Sri Lanka, and we were supposed to uh, pop up and do a couple of visits in the south of India, go out to the Maldives, which, is, which prides itself and, and very clearly says it is the only 100% Muslim country on the planet, and uh, then go back to Sri Lanka and up to India again. But the Lord had other plans. We got to, uh, I got to the ship in Colombo, and we were in dry dock, and you couldn't get out. Um, there was, every time we'd open up another piece of equipment, there was another catastrophe in there. And uh, those of you who've worked on ships or worked on, uh, you know, large machinery of any kind, and, I, you know, even if you're fixing Doing some, doing some minor repairs around home, you know, you kind of think, oh, why did I ever open up that wall? You know, well, this was happening only, you know, in, in spades on the ship. And so our first Indian visit just totally went away. And, uh, but what that meant in God's plan and his providence, when we sailed into Cochin, now called Kochi, um, we sailed in there 40 years and two weeks after the original Lagos made his first port call there in India. And we got to meet, I got to meet 
probably a dozen people who either sailed in with the ship or who joined the ship there 40 years earlier and are still going on for the Lord, still involved in, in frontline ministry, bringing, bringing the gospel to people who don't, you know, who don't know it. And uh, it was fantastic to see that. And, and to just, and those people, you know, they saw the Lagos was maybe half the size of our current ship. And, uh, um, and they were just amazed at what God has given us as a tool to use this time. Well, we had some mechanical issues still, and so we did not go out to the Maldives because it was the, the southwest monsoon time of year, and uh, you know, 800 miles is a long ways to be towed if you break down, so we didn't do that. Um, we went back to Gaul in Sri Lanka, and, and uh, when we were in Sri Lanka, one of the things we do whenever we go to a country, we... we as, as Bill mentioned, you know, we, we work with the local government. We want to do, do things in the right way with the right people in culturally appropriate ways um, because, you know, the 400 of us from 63 countries, we don't know how they do things in Sri Lanka, and we don't know necessarily the right ways to do things. And uh, um, so actually the first lady of Sri Lanka was our official sponsor for the trip. And... Uh, and the president had been obviously closely involved and, and uh, uh, linked into the visit as well. And one of the interesting things about Sri Lanka is it had had a uh, civil war for about 30 years uh, up in the northeast. There were the, the Tamil area of the country um, was trying to separate out. And so there had been this you know, massive war and all the resources, all the attention was paid up into the Northeast. Well, they finally agreed to a ceasefire. Then they had a new election. They got a they got a uh, president from the southeast. And this is one of these places where there is virtually no Christian witness. There were a few churches, and if anybody paid attention to them, it was to burn them down or to assault the church members and uh, and things like that. But. You know, as politicians will do, the president was from that area, and so he said, well, let's start pouring some resources into this area. I heard a local pastor talk, and she said, you know, what a blessing is to have a president from here, and he's bringing all, this, all these resources to us. Kind of puts a whole different spin than you get in the capital um, from, uh, on, on what's going on down there. But one of the things he said is, if we're going to bring all these industries and, and manufacturing and things down here, we've got to have a port to get the stuff out. So he just kind of looked at the map and he said, well, put it right here. <laughs> he just kind of stuck his finger on the map and said, I want a port. Well, there's not a natural harbor there. There was, I mean, there's actually low-lying flats. They used to have, they, they had places where uh, they could just block off the tide when it came in and then it would dry and, and, you know, they'd collect the salt off of that. But so they, you know, yes, sir, they dug a port, a little, uh, a little uh, hole in the ground there lined with rock and called it a port. Um, next slide, please. Okay. Now, I show this one because this is when, this is actually when we were going into this, this new port called Hambantota. Um, 
But, you know, we do this all the time. As I mentioned, you know, your prayers keep the ministry going. Our prayers keep us going and keep us safe doing the things that we do on the ship. Next slide, please. This is what we saw when we got there. Now, you notice there are no buildings in this picture. Okay? We're like 15 kilometers from the nearest town. You see all those pallets there? Those are the cobblestones. They haven't even finished putting the surface on the pier yet. We are the very first ship to come in to this port. And most of these guys down there in the yellow hats, they're the guys who are supposed to be laying the cobblestones, but, you know, hey, a ship's coming in, so everybody comes to watch. And, uh, but, you know, no buildings and uh, just, a, just a handful of people. And if you remember back to that first slide, we were after, after this little port, we were going up to India to a town uh, called Vishakapatnam that had six million people, and we had all this fantastic ministry planned and scheduled and all that stuff. And, uh, oh, thanks. And then, so we come back, and, and here we are out on this brand new pier, and nobody's around. And, uh, you know, so uh, next slide, please. So, you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of maritime cadets came down from, from a school. We even had to borrow people from a previous port because we didn't have anybody who spoke Singla, the language of the area. We had about four Singla books on board, um, and they were all about Christian mission. So in this strongly Buddhist area where they like to burn down churches, um, they weren't poised to be like big sellers or anything. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, so we're, so, we're sort of, get, you know, is it Friday yet? Can we, can we go now? And uh, because it was just quiet. Well, about Wednesday, our fuel oil purifier ate itself, for lack of a better term. And, you know, the, it's a high-speed piece of machinery that takes the impurities out of the fuel. And when one piece goes, it takes lots. So seven parts gone. Um, this ship is 40 years old. It's new for us, but it's 40 years old. Nobody stocks the parts anymore. They were literally all over the planet. It was pretty obvious that we were not going to get out of there on Friday like we were supposed to. Well, so we gathered the ship's company together at noon on Wednesday to pray. And we explained to them what was going on. We explained to them, you know, that we had found some of the parts, but not all of the parts, and it was going to take a while. And then once we got them, we'd still have to put it together before we could move. And uh, so we prayed. You know, remember now we had missed a couple of the port visits earlier this summer already because of mechanical issues. And so we prayed. And it was, it was just amazing. Within about a half an hour, you could feel the atmosphere on the ship just kind of turn from, oh, we're broke again, to I wonder what God has for us here. Next slide, please. Oh, not that one. <laughs> uh, nope. Keep going backwards. Oh, okay. Is there one that has a uh, kind of a stage in the background? It's hard to see in those tiny little ones. Anyway, so this is about 1 o'clock where you could feel the, the atmosphere turn around. Okay, and uh, about 3 o'clock, there were 3,000 people on the pier. And, uh, and 
And then after that, it got busy. Um, <laughs> the next day, there were 10,000. The day after that, there were 15,000. The day after that, there were 16,000. And, uh, you know, we weren't aware of this because, you know, we don't speak singular. We can't read the papers. And well, it turns out that we were on the national news, you know, because cause we're in this port that the president, you know, it was his project, right? And so we're on the front page of all the papers. We're on the news every night. And everybody starts coming to the ship. Okay, next slide. This was Sunday, okay? Um, amazing. You, know, you couldn't get another vehicle on the pier. You see they're coming down in buses. They're coming down in trucks. They're coming down seven on a motorcycle, okay? <laughs> Fifteen kilometers from town. And, uh, you know, because as people had come during the week, you know, we'd greet them with a smile. They'd walk through the bookshop, not see anything they could... Maybe buy an ice cream cone or a little keychain or something like that. But they saw that our people reached out to them and made, it, made them feel important that they, that they came. And they said, well, I'm going to come back and bring my family. Well, here when that happens, you know, they bring maybe two or three people with them. Well, there they brought 14. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and, and these churches who had been, you know, sort of a boil on the backside of the community, Suddenly, Pastor, can you help us get to the ship? We want to see what's going on down there. And uh, next slide, please. This is what it looked like from, from up on the deck. Three times past the ship. That line goes out, turns left, goes all the way to the end of the breakwater, which is over there somewhere. And in turns, goes past these port buildings that are under construction and outside the port gate. It's taken everybody to just take care of the crowd. And we thought we weren't supposed to be there. We were supposed to be gone, right? And uh, one other thing that happens frequently for ships that trade internationally is that the customs guys are around. You know, obviously we're, we're selling books and trinkets and stuff. And so the customs people are involved. And uh, they're usually more than willing for a captain to take them to dinner someplace. Well, they asked me if they could take me to dinner. And, uh, and this group of four men, they're sitting there and the guy says, you know, don't get us wrong, we're all good Buddhists here. But then he says, with tears in his eyes, he says, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for our people. And, you know, this, that's just one example, but it happens over and over and over again in places where the gospel's not normally welcomed. Um, we get some of the, we get some of the warmest receptions we get in the Gulf. And we were in Qatar a few years ago. Um, the Sheikh moved both of his yachts so we could have the berth. You know, when the head of state moves his yachts, that's kind of a big deal. And they're willing to overlook the little minor detail that we're Christian missionaries because we love their people. 
and they've seen us over the years doing that. And, uh, you know, we send a list ahead of, of you know, the, the, the film said we had uh, about 5,000 titles on sale every day. Well, of course we do. And, and about a third of that normally is, is Bibles and Christian books. We sent the titles ahead. They sort of said, okay, you know, this is okay, that's not okay. And so then, then we asked the censors to come on before we open so that if there's anything that's culturally inappropriate, we can put it away. Well, they looked at what we had, and, uh, you know, and they made sure we had no, no uh, books that had pictures of ladies in sleeveless shirts and uh, nothing that talked about present-day Israel. Everything else was there. We had, a, we had a section of Bibles and Christian books that's probably, you know, a quarter of the size of this room and, you know, shelves this high. And we couldn't keep them stocked. We couldn't move them up there fast enough. And the national government was just tickled pink that this was happening. Now, we were open from 3 to 11 every day. They needed the first shift to be actually able to move cargo in this port because that's the only port the country has. And, uh, but, you know, and it was just busy right away after that. And uh, came in one night, and, and the guy who was the head of our security detail, the local, local government guy, he says, uh, says, hey, we were just on TV for 25 minutes. He didn't say, you were just on TV for 25 minutes. He said, we we're just on TV for 25 minutes. Very quickly, these folks who get assigned to help us take ownership of, of what's going on. And uh, I had to go see the, the gentleman who was the head of ports and customs for the country. There was some little glitch going on with the port. And, uh, and he said, you know, he says, I couldn't get out of here till 1230 last night. The car park was so jammed. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. He said, this is great. That's what you're here for. This is fantastic. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that God does with regular people. You know, our, our, crew, is, our crew is probably 400. Um, and, you know, the, the film says 40, more than 45. Well, 63 is more than 45. Um, you know, we say 45 because it's always... It's always right. It's always more than that. But uh, you know, he takes people. Basic, your, our basic crew person is 18, a high school graduate sent by his or her church. And uh, you know, they come in there wanting to serve the Lord, wanting to, to, to do, you know, take their part in the Great Commission. And, and we see God do these incredible things. We go into these small ports where people, you know, where regular ships can't go. And nobody in their right mind would take a ship that size in there because there's no tugs, there's no pilots, there's no any of that. And uh, I remember one time we were going to a small port in Papua New Guinea, and it was one of these ones that, you know, wow, who decided we should go in there, you know? <laughs> there's, there's no room. And, uh, and so we did our homework, and if everything was just right, we could go in. So... I was the chief officer at the time. The captain and I met over the chart table. We prayed one more time. He goes to one bridge wing. I go to the other. And we start sailing in. And we're looking at each other kind of across the way. And it's not happening. 
And just as he was about to give the order to turn around and go out, the wind shifted, the current stopped. And we pulled that ship in there like you're parking an MG. Yeah. And, uh, and we had some just, you know, weeks of amazing ministry in there. It's a little disconcerting, you know, you put the lines over and people take these great big morning lines and they disappear into the jungle. You know, you're thinking, do they really need the line? No, they're just looking for a tree that's big enough to tie it to. Okay, but these are the places we get to go. And we see God do these things all the time. And so, you know, today is a chance to, to talk about what he has done, to talk about the way he intervenes in our daily lives on board the ship just to be able to get his word to people who need to hear it. Um, Psalm 67 is what I really want to uh, speak on this morning. It's a short one, but there's a lot there. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That your ways may may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. He blesses us so that people can look and see what he has done for us. They can look and see the way he's blessed us. They can look and see the way we live and work together. Remember Jesus' prayer, you know, that they will be one as we are one. You see other places, you know, where they'll know we're Christians by our love for one another. And, and just the fact that you have 400 people that sail around the world from 50 or 60 different countries. They go out to sea in this little steel box. God shapes, shakes them all up and then lets them come into port every once in a while. And the fact that we're not normally killing each other speaks volumes to people. And, uh, you know, so that, there's always a so that. He blesses us so that his ways can be known on the earth. And we see that over and over and over again. And in places where you wouldn't think that, uh, you know, that the gospel would be welcomed. And... uh, you know, as we're, as we're looking at these passages this morning, I want you to remember, too, that, you know, if God can use a sailor to spread his gospel, he can use you. He can use anybody. And there are so many ways that each one of us can be used by God. As, you know, I mean, I wish I was here last weekend. I wanted to hear those testimonies. You know, it's exciting to hear you know, those 17 people who've been to Tijuana and come back and tell them what, tell you what God has done in and around and through them. And so often we go places and we, we hope that we have something to share, but God does so much more for us. And it's just, it's, it's shocking. But if, but if the nations are going to be reached, somehow people got to go. Romans 10, 
says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? So, you know, you all have sent people already. You know, you've only sent three. Pastor Cindy said a, a tithe is minimum. That's 10%. So that means you've got 17 more that got to go out and stay out. Okay? So, you know, but part of that, too, is encouraging people, finding people, putting an arm around them, saying, hey, God is working in your life in an incredible way. You need to share that with other people. So often, people think, well, what if it's hard? Of course it's hard. Living here is hard, especially a couple months from now when it gets cold. But, uh, um, but, He's there. He takes us through these things, and he, shows, and he shows us. And even when our courage melts away, it's only because he wants us to know that he is where our security lies. It's not us. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. And we see what that looks like in the end if you look at, at Revelation 7. You know, and I think most of us are probably familiar with that, with those verses. But after this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, tongue, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud, in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They all fell down and worshiped God. You know, that's happening. We get to be part of it. Whether we're praying or giving or going, I think a lot more of us could go than sometimes we think. Lisa and I joined this youth movement. I don't know how much you know about OM, but it's generally, a, it's, it was, it's regarded as a youth movement while we were in our 40s when we joined. And we, took, and we took our three boys who at the time were 15 and 14 and 4. And that's the other thing that kind of flies in the face of conventional wisdom. You know, you can't go with a family. Yes, you can. God is good for that. Um, Dennis Rainey came to the Pentagon while I was working there. I was in the Navy for 20 years before we started with OM. And, uh, and he was talking to us about support raising, and he says, you know, my, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And sometimes he sells a couple of them and gives me the money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's done that. He has done that. And, and he does it day in and day out. You know, he has... All of this is his. All of this is his. And so, you know, so we can, so we can join in. We can, we can follow along and, uh, and go, like I said, get a front row seat to watch him work. And, you know, and all these things in conventional wisdom, okay, God doesn't do conventional wisdom. 
And, uh, you know, Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious for even one thing. And so we pray. And God responds. And uh, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so follow him. You know, it's exciting, uh, you know, talking about conventional wisdom. You know, Pastor Cindy's been here for 30 years in one capacity or another. And the Lord says, you completed what you've got to do here. And so she's stepping out. That's exciting. You know, you have a leader here who listens to God and then acts on it. What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And, you know, it's no small thing. It's no small thing vocationally. It's no small thing relationally. And yet, she's ready to go. Because God said go. Um, You know, may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Again, he's going to bless us so that people can see who he is. He gives us the resources. He gives us everything we need to get out and to, uh, and to share with people who never would, you know, never would uh, know any other way. Every one of us, every one of us can, can go somewhere. You know? Now, maybe it's to the foot of the bed and to pray. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's around the other side of the world. You would be surprised how many people we can use on a little floating city of 400. I mean, we have our own, you know, cooking department. We have our own laundry. We have our own fire department. We have our own medical team. Okay? Like any little town of 400 has all this stuff. So do we. We just move. Okay? Sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. But, uh, you know, people, people are always asking when they join, you know, what about seasickness? And, you know, there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's them what's been seasick and them what are going to be. Okay? And the only question is, when do you step across? And, you know, and the first day, you're afraid you're going to die. And the second day, you're afraid you're not going to die. <laughs> and it's miserable, but you know what? We got seasick pills. <laughs> and we have little crackers, and we have dried bread, and we have, you know, we have stuff to deal with it. And, uh, you know, and we don't spend that much time at sea anyway because fish don't need, need to hear the gospel. You know, people do. So we tend to just bump along the coastline and, and go from city to city to city and, and try to make a difference. And, you know, and God is, is gracious and faithful, but what is it he's put in your hand? What has God put in your hand now? Yeah. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. 
Somebody in here speaks engineering. Somebody in here speaks electrically, electrical. A friend of ours just up the road from us in Westerville uh, left a good job at Lucent Technologies, took an, er took an early buyout of his, uh, of his time, and was installing itty-bitty hydroelectric plants in Afghanistan. Well, I mean, it doesn't, you know, anything that you've done, any training that you've had, any experience that you've had, God can use right now, today. And, you know, as Bill said, sometimes, uh, you know, we're, we're almost more of a tourist attraction than we want to be. You want to show that, uh, that versus clip? These are a couple ports down in the Caribbean. And uh, this is, these are the queues that we see of people waiting to come to the ship. Now watch there, you'll see the two hours from here sign at one point. Thankfully, in the Caribbean, people actually line up. There are other places in the world where they don't do cues. And it's just... It's amazing the opportunities you get to minister to people while they're waiting there. They got nowhere else to go. They got nobody else to talk to. So you can, you can do lots of sharing right there in the line. amazing how God uses a little steel box with a bunch of ragamuffin people to carry that gospel to the ends of the earth. Captures their imagination so that so that people can know him. So that they could take advantage of the salvation that he's already paid for. But how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? How can they, you know, how can we do it unless, uh, you know, unless somebody sends us? What are you planning on? What, you know, what's your five-year plan look like? Not the one for the church. There's probably one of those. You know, but what's yours look like? What is God 
figure into that. I hope he's the base of it. And everything builds from there. But you know, when you just ask him, it's surprising some of the things he will tell you. It's surprising some of the things he will say. And uh, you know, we serve an awesome God. He will do the most outlandish things to bring us back to him. There are so many people who don't have the advantages that we have. And all they need is somebody to tell them. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, again, is just how he works over and over and over. You know, he took us in a situation you know, where people said, oh, you can't do that with a family of five. Yes, you can. Our big boys today, you know, they are on paths that God set them on when they were teenagers when they drew us 18 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see what he has done just inside our little family. What can he do in yours? Can you do that next video, please?